Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Nico Franks. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today, we hear from Philippa Vallestan, Chief Content Officer at Nordic Entertainment Group, about how the Sweden-based media company has kept its pipeline of originals flowing during the pandemic and what kind of new programming it is looking for. And Thomas Day, President and CEO of About Corporate Finance Investment Bank, whose predictions of a slowdown in mergers and acquisitions activity in the TV business as a result of the pandemic were confounded by a flurry of deals in recent months, including one he helped facilitate between the creators of Black Mirror and Netflix. Philippa Vallestan is Chief Content Officer at Nordic Entertainment Group, which has followed up announcement after announcement in the trade since March, including a deal for its first UK original series as it looks to fuel its streaming service fireplay with original content. She spoke to C21 about Nent Group's expansion plans for Viaplay, with plans to enter 15 more markets in the next five years, as well as how Sweden's unique approach to COVID-19 meant its production schedule has remained relatively intact. I began by asking Philippa if, rather than slow it down, the pandemic has actually accelerated some of Nent Group's activities. No, I think it's always been uh, the plan to be very busy and have a lot going on. Uh, then I guess it's fair to say that uh, the pandemic has been, uh, I don't know, an exceptional time for everyone. Uh, and it's also been the same for us. Of course, what you can say is that it has kind of accelerated the uh, shift towards streaming that we have been uh, experiencing and working towards for quite some time. Uh, but of course, in this time, uh, it's been uh, even more accelerated. So you can say kind of for Viaplay, which is you know our main uh, platform, uh, we always set a target each year. This is how many subscribers that we are going to gain each year. Uh, and this year we've already raised that target twice. Uh, and we're now expecting to get uh, 600,000 new subscribers this year. So that has been raised twice uh, during this time. So I guess, of course, when you see traction and uh, uh, people are consuming more content than ever, of course, that is opening up for us to invest uh, even more in content and to sort of support this growth. So that, I guess, is one area that we've seen. And the other area, uh, we have really taken the opportunity uh, to accelerate ex is the expansion. Uh, we actually launched on Iceland during the whole uh, beginning, actually, uh, of this pandemic. So that, of course, has given us some appetite for more. We want to enter 15 new markets in the next five years. Uh, we have already announced that we are going to launch in the Baltics in the beginning of next year. So that I can I can give you. But the confirmation of uh, the additional markets will come back on later this fall. And with these commissions that you've been making, is the idea for them to follow their usual schedule of going into production relatively soon? Or has the pandemic postponed those? Ah, oh, good question. <laughs> With many answers. We have experienced all kinds. Uh, when we commission a show, of course, we have a plan. And this is when we want to produce it. And this is when, we, when we're going to start production. And then, of course, we have experienced uh, both. In the beginning, it was a lot of pausing. Outside of Sweden, I should say. In Sweden, we pretty much kept to, to the production plans all the way through. But in most other markets, we had pauses and delays. In most of those markets, we've now been able to open and start them again. Uh, so we are pretty much back to where we need to be in the Nordics. For the international shows, it's slightly different because, uh, as you know, there are some problems in, in some other markets uh, that are challenging. But we have also seen some of our co-productions with international partners that uh, 
since it's so difficult to produce abroad now, they actually want to fast track uh, some of the productions that we have. So some of the shows that we were planning uh, to get to Viaplay in 2022 looks like they will actually come already in 2021 now. Overall, we are uh, keeping to the plan. And in terms of what you're looking to commission further afield, so are you taking the pandemic into account there? So maybe shows that require smaller crews, things like that. And and in, if so, how will that impact the creative? So I think we are doing a little bit of both. Uh, and uh, we still have the high ambitions and the very sort of global shows with multiple locations and very many people involved that will require a lot of preparation uh, to get them working. But of course, we will get them to work, but it may take a bit of time. Uh, then, on the other hand, sort of we have uh, you know one show in particular that we have developed uh, ourselves so far, but we are discussing with different partners now, uh, which is kind of you know set in one uh, simple easy studio, one location, small crew that becomes quite attract- attractive. Uh, also, when it comes to attracting uh, talents, uh, because it is sort of uh, we can keep it very managed and, and controlled. So that's one of those shows that we could actually maybe accelerate and produce sooner than than what was expected. They've been writing the whole spring uh, because it is sort of a, you know, a Corona safe uh, proof uh, production. Then I should also say that we have actually already produced our first Corona project uh, in the spring where we actually produced a, a movie uh here in sweden and that was not part of the original plan uh, and that movie is uh, you know completely recorded in everyone's homes it's like this uh over oh, mostly over uh video uh, and it's looking really cool so i think we would see a little bit of both <laughs> but having said that like in the nordics we have now found ways of producing very safely uh, and we have now produced quite a few shows uh since uh um the pandemic hit us now you know the, the in the beginning it was so difficult but now we have actually managed to complete uh, quite a few uh, so now i think even if you know this continues uh, we can still produce good content we know how to do it now and obviously sweden approached the pandemic very differently to a lot of other countries and a lot of its neighboring countries in terms of not imposing a lockdown or at least not one as you know severe as in other countries so has that allowed you to get into production quicker? And also, what's the feeling just in general like about, you know, the oncoming autumn, the winter and how things might go there? We have, as you know, productions in many countries. So uh, and Sweden took a completely different approach to our neighbors. Like we pretty much completed all productions that we were doing in Sweden. We, we were producing four shows in the spring. Uh, one of them that we had to delay because it was supposed to be produced abroad. Uh, but otherwise, most of them uh, we managed to contain. Super nervous all the time uh, because, of course, we had to uh, uh, test and make the measures and do everything. And it, it's enough for one uh, of, uh, you know, key costs uh, to, uh, uh, you know, get affected. And then the whole thing would have been stopped. But we managed to do it. And that was, uh, of course, really reassuring. But now... Uh, given that, we are very strong in Sweden. We have produced a lot of, of uh, strong shows. Uh, but in Norway and Denmark, where we had to pause as an example, uh, when they opened up uh, in the beginning of summer, we were actually able to resume uh, and continue to finish up those productions that we had to pause. So even though it was a bit later, uh, we are still pretty much on track um, for where we need to be. Um, and that was also due to kind of 
amazing flexibility and willingness to get it to work uh, among the team and the talent and and, and, the, and you know everyone involved basically and then of course because so much else has been postponed and the theaters are not really operating so many of the cast that were from the beginning completely locked up this fall they are not anymore uh, so we are sort of making it uh, work and we're catching up I, I should say. Then I think, you know, for, of course, planning productions all this fall and uh, remaining part of 2021, of course, some of them we will have challenges with. And that we have a lot of uh, ways to solve for how we can uh, continue to do it. So I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, and we had one producer saying that uh, we're in the middle of uh, production in Sweden in April, uh, that uh, if uh, we manage to... <laughs> complete this then I'm never ever gonna complain about the complex production again uh, so that's a little bit sort of um, where we are now but on the other hand we are so proud of uh, the productions that we've managed to complete during this time. MIPCOM is on the horizon so what are your plans with regards to that event normally I assume you'd go but are your plans a little different this time around? It's very different. Uh, we are not going, uh, any of us, uh, and we are not traveling at all. Uh, or, and I think maybe the um, the assumption on Sweden that we didn't have any like regulations. No, we didn't. Like, but we are still all working from home, uh, and that uh, that the whole of Nant is uh, is working from home, um, and so that's we are really limiting uh, our uh, sort of travel to business critical. And we can, you know, be part of panels or do whatever we need to do uh, virtually to be on the safe side. It's the same with the productions that we are producing. We only really have the most necessary executive producer uh, from our side on set. Uh, we don't go with like, you know, unnecessary people to where we, we are not needed. So that will be the same for all conferences and, and events this fall. And looking further ahead, so 2021, how is your calendar looking there i imagine you'd go to a lot of different events in in the year la in may for the screenings things like that what are you anticipating there who knows <laughs> no i think it's a very very good question and it's uh, even if i had a clear answer it would probably change but we are very much following the uh, regulations and sort of the recommendations uh, so i'm not expecting things to go back to normal even in the spring but also kind of we are getting used to uh, this way of working uh, more and more and as long as we can still continue to run our business and you know as you as you pointed out in the beginning uh, we haven't really slowed down uh, during uh, during this time we're just changing how we how we navigate a little bit and just finally in terms of your shopping list and what you're looking for at the moment are there any genres in particular that you are or aren't looking at we are, Viaplay is a broad uh, entertainment platform that is sort of built on all of the different areas. We have not only our own productions, but we also still have the best uh, series and movies from, from the studios. Uh, and we also have strong kids content and we have sports. So we really have everything and we need to have everything. And now I can finally feel when it comes to our own produced content that uh, in, in, in Sweden this fall, we are, we are pretty much there. Uh, and then in terms of the other markets, we will be there. But in terms of where we, we are gearing up in, in, uh, in terms of genres, I would most say that we'll do more international co-productions uh, next year. 
and uh, we are doing more documentaries. And we have been very strong in crime documentaries in some of the Nordic countries, but for next year, we are more looking into other type of documentaries, not necessarily through crime and uh, also with more of an international appeal. So, so kind of Nordic stories, but uh, I, with an international appeal. So those will be the main things that, that is changing. Then in the different markets, we have some different strategies. We are strong in, in some genres in one market and then we're building in the other, etc. But our strategy is to have both drama, crime, uh, um, uh, documentaries, longer, short, short, all types. Philippa Valistan. Thomas Day is president and CEO of About Corporate Finance Investment Bank, a company that's been prolific in orchestrating some of the biggest transactions in the independent production sector in the past decade. ACF helped engineer a string of ITV Studios acquisitions, as well as Sony's purchase of Left Bank Pictures and Sky's acquisition of Love Productions. Day spoke to C21FM back in April about how the coronavirus pandemic is impacting mergers, acquisitions and finance in the independent production sector. Back then, he expected the M&A market for TV production companies to freeze after companies such as Nent Group suspended the sale of their unscripted arm, which ACF was overseeing. But six months later, that sale is back on, and Thomas says ACF is busier than ever, having also advised Black Mirror creators, writers and producers Charlie Brooker and Animal Jones on the deal between their company, Broken Bones, and Netflix in late July, marking the streamer's first investment in a scripted prodco. Thomas and I began by talking about why that expected long pause in M&A activity never came to pass. So if we look at the last 12 months, we've actually closed about 11 deals with a value of about $850 million. That, that's surprising in and of itself in the sense that I expected everything to stop um, and it didn't. Part of the prediction was correct in that we had a, a, a slew of mandates that we were acting for companies, you know, selling, and they went on hold because there was a big dip in their numbers um, and we just couldn't articulate to the buyers or to the sellers what kind of value transaction we could do. These opportunities were put on hold while people tried to assess the impact of the, uh, the lockdown. But what was perhaps surprising is that there was an immediate kind of surge in other areas where people are looking for other opportunities to, to sort of work on. And I think in, in many ways, the broken bones opportunity is, is one of those. So but those are the things that kind of came through in that period. And what we found and what I've found consistent across across with some of my legal colleagues is that there is a huge amount of work happening and we ourselves are busier than we've ever been. The, the, the businesses across the board are all showing a strong recovery and a strong bounce back. Yes. So how should we view this kind of the busy atmosphere in the M&A market? Should we look at it in a positive sense in that buyers are confident that the industry will bounce back or potentially more negative in this in the kind of fire sale sense of people are selling because they're concerned well it's interesting because i thought there would be a lot of transactions that were of that nature and i haven't seen that many happening it's the nature of the damage really i think it is like a hurricane i think things have come in hard and fast but 
you know, there are signs that it will leave hard and fast. And I, I think for me, the overriding answer is that I believe that the streamers that are all emerging from big corporations, in many ways, they're like a financial stimulus package for the TV production sector because they've come in, you know, at the same time or really prior to, you know, the pandemic, pumping billions of dollars into our sector. Production has been delayed or slowed or stopped for six months. They're still standing there. They still have their digital platforms. They still have their needs and they still have huge amounts of money to pump into this space. You know, Disney is, you know, agreed that its platform needs new content. Amazon is ramping up. Apple's been ramping up their activities. These are all very, very serious organizations that are coming into this sector. A good point to move on to the uh, the deal that you advised on uh, with the Black Mirror creators, writers and producers, Charlie Brooker and Annabelle Jones on the sale of their new company, Broken Bones, to Netflix, which um, marked Netflix's first ever acquisition of a scripted production company. How did that deal come about? Obviously, with the success of the Black Mirror franchise, I think that Netflix have always had a very close relationship with Charlie and Annabelle. It's a strategic sort of marker from Netflix that, you know, they're moving from commissioning programs where they have had big success to actually building out their own studio by bringing these talented individuals inside the sort of Netflix empire. Um, And I think this is the first of many types of transactions that will emerge where they go after premium producers that they want to have in-house. So how would you rate the the overall confidence in the TV and streaming sector? And obviously, those are two quite different things. You know, one very reliant on advertising, one reliant on people having enough disposable income to subscribe to their services. There would always be a place for broadcasters and networks with, you know, free-to-air advertising-based content, but it won't be as large as it was before because, you know, a lot of the consumers are choosing now to use digital platforms to get a much more narrow viewing uh, option. No article would be complete without mentioning Apple and their 2.2 trillion market cap. Uh, That's bigger than the entire FTSE 100 index. These are the players coming into the space. I think it's obvious that there is a changing of guard. And you mentioned as an investment bank being busier than ever at the moment. So in terms of the deals and which companies are particularly attractive to buyers at the moment, is it scripted companies with huge libraries of rights um, behind them or potentially more, you know, more nimble scripted companies that, you know, have smaller overheads and are more focused on talent and maybe don't have as big a track record or a library of content? Or is it unscripted given that, you know, high-end scripted is potentially the hardest kind of TV to make at the moment? Previously, I mean, I would have given you an answer involving financial profile, how big is the company, how long has it been around, who are the management team, you know, what's their track record, right? That was a sort of more traditional assessment. I think now the single characteristic that pulls deals onto the platform or into people's focus is brand. And, and brand can, can actually segment into probably three areas. Number one is 
writers, writers and producers. So, you know, have they got compelling creators that develop content and can write content and create shows? Um, and these are shows that really launch into the streaming platforms and the higher end slots on TV. The second thing, which again is an extension of brand, is talent. So we did the Bear Grylls deal. He's got a global following, you know, of billions of sort of digital followers around the, around the world. And that people are very interested in tying up with companies that access and have a huge following. And, and that really is, you know, akin to brand. Um, and then the third thing is what I've said already, which is premium. Um, what they're doing, it has to shine. Um, they have to produce programs that, you know, are, you know, acclaimed. And I don't mean necessarily award-winning, but certainly, you know, in terms of global viewing. I think they want content that, that travels far and wide. I mean, we obviously act for Andy Harris with the, um, and sold him to Sony. And, you know, it's things like The Crown that get global attention that, that are what people are looking for. The rationale for all of this, and this is why I think these things are shining through at this point, is what are these businesses capable of becoming is the question. And you can have a business that's small, you can have a business that's large, you can have a large business that can't grow anymore and it is everything it will never be. And you can have a small company that has huge potential and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for high growth companies that can be using their infrastructure to really access the rest of the world. And finally, I'm sure you've got NDAs up to your eyeballs, but in terms of what you are able to tell me about, you know, potential deals that we might see in the fourth quarter of 2020, what should we keep an eye out for? For us, I mean, what's been really interesting is we closed a deal last year with Fremantle and Bron called The Immigrant, and they were principally Hispanic, you know, Spanish-speaking content. What we've seen in the interim period is a real interest in non-English content. We've got the NENT mandate, which we're in the market with. We've also got opportunities in mainland Spain and mainland Holland. Number two is going to be more deals in the writer-producer space. So obviously, you know, the Charlie Annabelle deal is the first deal of what I hope is quite a few more. And then the third one is obviously the US-UK crossover. Um, as you know, I'm based in Los Angeles and the US giant has woken up to content and they are, you know, voracious. I mean, we are speaking to four or five entities that are looking to grow significantly over the next 24 months. They are right now in multiple conversations and we're helping them with those conversations to access companies in the US, but also in the UK. And then I suppose the fourth thing, which has to be said, is that the streamers, I, I expect to see more and more activity coming out of the streamers, moving more into the M&A space than they have in the previous you know, 36 months. Is that being driven by the fact that they're facing more competition? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I think, um, you know, Apple has been making an announcement once, one per week. You've got Netflix that are, have obviously been very active, active. HBO Max coming out. You've got Peacock. 
you know, who are getting into the game. I think that they are all recognizing this move into the digital platform. And, you know, I think even NBC, you know, made an announcement a few weeks back that they were changing their entire structuring from a broadcast perspective to a content creation perspective with the idea that they would be changing their reporting lines and I think all lines lead to Peacock. I just think that there is going to be a fundamental acceptance that where we sit with the sort of what I call the talent and the creators is going to be the key focus as whereas before it was the way of getting to the market and the advertisers, right? Now it's about the content and the subscribers. And I think that's inevitably going to lead to an acquisition grab, which is going to move into any, any organization, the studios, broadcasters that have large libraries. I do think that they're going to be coming into focus in the next 24 months. Thomas Day. That's all for today's episode. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online on mobile and on social media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>